Hello and welcome to Bullet Points, the podcast all about shooting games. My name is Ed Smith. I'm joined as ever by Reed McCarter. Hello. How you doing? Hello. I have a new microphone. How's that working out for you? It's great. It looks like it looks like um, it looks like a robot. That's what it looks like. I thought it was a snowball. I thought it was spherical. It is, but it looks sort of like um, that little guy from Star Wars, the little bleep bloop new guy, BB-8. That's that's him. Merchandise bot, one hundred and one. Yeah, it's the money bot. Yeah. Astrid, have you got a new microphone? Hi, by the way, Astrid. Hey, Bud Gore. Uh, no. Actually, no. Reed, Reed is using the same mic I have. We're uh, sponsored by Blue Microphones. This podcast. <laughs> Thank That's right. Whether they, whether they know it or not, I remember when we started out doing this show, this project. Is it a project? God only knows. Experiment. <laughs> Vocation. Uh, we were talking about you know potentially lining up some sponsorship, and I think um, mind mapping who we might end up getting. I can't imagine now who would want to sponsor Body Points. Uh, Rock Band Four. Um, <laughs> and, and and blue, the uh, creators of I, <laughs> fine get, audio equipment. We need to get an energy drink behind us, Monster or one of those guys. Yeah, I think um, we could do that. What's the one or that car- does? What's Turtle Beach? What's Turtle Beach? Is that a is that games? Yeah, it's like those like really uh, classy headphones and gamer chairs and all that stuff that's the that's the one yeah let's get them involved i think they're right <laughs> up their street i think mm. um we should reach out to like lockheed martin <laughs> <laughs> or <laughs> i was gonna say let's just you know just aim for the moon why don't we get like a cigarette like a tobacco company <laughs> why don't we get like philip morris you know yeah <laughs> anyone who's got a, a an image crisis with the the youth audience you know the the GOP. Let's see if we'll get there to <laughs> throw some cash at us. Do you do you remember when uh, uh, Fugazi used to have this stipulation that if they were in a magazine, a music magazine, like they would only do interviews or consent to you know per- participate in whatever press if the magazine didn't run ads for cigarettes or alcohol. And I think we should do the opposite, where we will not <laughs> we will not produce the show. Unless we have at least one tobacco and one <laughs> alcohol manufacturer <laughs> promoting the program. Honestly, we could probably do it given the dearth of options they have at this point. I used for like good press. I used to sit here and smoke while we were recording. I used to smoke on the show. It was great. Um, don't don't I say know. that. This is an all ages podcast. I know. I know. Uh, well, anyway, we're also joined this week by a very special guests. Um, she's a former writer Phil. for Kill Screen, creator of the Dialogue Tree Zine, Alex Dolby. Hi. How are you doing? I'm doing well. How are y'all are doing? You, I'm, I'm, are you sponsored by anybody, just personally? Um, I'm actually sponsored by Patron, because that's how I live my life. Just full throttle so, every day. One of those, one of those cars with the decals just all over it. That, yeah. <laughs> that's just, that's just what Alex's shirt she wears. It's like a NASCAR shirt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> basically. Got got my um, patches to show who's getting me through. <laughs> 
Oh god, we have some. It's nice to have a laugh, isn't it? At the start of the show, get the um, get the fun stuff out of the way. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay. yeah um, just clear it all out. Prepare our minds to not have fun. And now, I've, I'd like. Hold on, I'd like to clear up a misconception about the bullet points uh, squad, the bullet points family. Uh-huh. We like to have a laugh. We like to laugh. We like to have fun. But yeah, speak for the yourself. Culture that fails us <laughs> yeah. at every turn. It's not our fault. I'm sorry. <laughs> that That's is true. All. Yeah. That is true. We are a, we are a fun, we are a fun loving bunch, right, Ed? Yeah. Um. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. I, I feel like I have. Yeah, I, I've got like some reputation for being um, confrontational and unpleasant, but. Um, I'm not confrontational and pleasant. I'm confrontational, unpleasant, and miserable. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, but can you blame us the... when we're talking about games such as this week's? Huh? <laughs> Wolf... No, you can't. No. Wolfenstein 2, The New Colossus, from 2017, developed by Machine Games, uh, published by Bethesda. It's a little while since I've hosted one of these shows, so my, my diction's a little off, for which I apologise in advance. Uh, it's a first-person shooter set in an alternate history whereby the Nazis have won the Second World War and subsequently taken over America. But the question the game poses, everyone, is this an alternate history or is this just an exaggerated <laughs> version of what's actually happening at the bloody moment? Eh? Uh, you play BJ Blazkowicz, a, a man, <laughs> and um, you encounter various elements from the 1960s county culture which you unite, band together and use to form a resistance which eventually takes out the Nazi higher echelons. <laughs> uh, I think we, we're lucky to have Alex here because Astrid, Reed, and myself, we, we're not so keen on this game is my take. No. Whereas yeah. Alex, you seem to, you, you, I think you have a, a more favourable opinion. So I'm going to throw to you first, actually, and ask for some general comments on Wolfenstein 2. What do you think of the game um, in a kind of overall sense? Um, generally, I think, I mean, I, in one sentence, I'd say the first half of the game is, like, trying to say things. And then in the second half, they just kind of forgot what they were trying to do at all. Um, so I, I, I think I kind of like the first half and then the second half the entire time. I was just very, very, very confused. What would you say the game is trying to say in the first half uh, as compared to the second? I think what, uh, like, it can kind of be exemplified in the, like, first conversation that um, Lasco has with Grace where, you know, they're talking about the like the aftermath of the nuke on New York City and and Blasco goes, monsters did this and she says, not monsters, men. And it's like there's a whole like kind of push bolt between them where like Blasco is this entire time imagining uh, Nazis as just like monsters that he's killing and Grace has seen that well actually these are our neighbors and like they've got these two different visions of America because of it. That there's a lot of tension between. Mm. So, would you? I feel like I'm grilling you a little too much for saying we're after introductory comments, but would you <laughs> argue that the game is 
consciously or not drawing some kind of parable between its depiction of America as not occupied by Nazis and America as it exists currently in the year that the game was released? Do you think that the uh, comparison is being made? I don't think that they were trying to. I think they just got lucky. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Astrid, it sounds like you have an opinion on that, as well as some general opinions about Wolfenstein 2. Um, I don't think... I think there's a few spots in the game that stick out as being perhaps revised or uh, maybe even just written wholesale after the election of Donald Trump or maybe even the presidential campaign when stuff started becoming more apparent about the climate in America. There's a few conversations between Nazis or the scene with the Nazi and the Ku Klux Klan member in, is it Nevada, I think? When you're... New Mexico. In that little town that's occupied. New Mexico, okay. Those bits seem like really calibrated to sort of uh, make you think of like... I mean, they're, they're direct references to like um, Richard Spencer in the game. Richard Spencer being covered by Mother Jones specifically. And I think that stuff, it doesn't stick out as being like high effort it's just sort of like a text here or a few lines of dialogue there so i feel like that stuff was sort of nipped and tucked after the fact when the bulk of the game was put together um as for like i guess general comments i agree with alex that the first half up to uh a point sort of a, a, a point with the, the narrative is sort of severed you could say at a certain point um the first half of the game does try to engage in some way with um, countercultural elements in America, which exist in this alternate history. But then I think they get the sort of force of BJ Blazkowicz sort of overrides them and their nuance, and they just become part of his campaign. And the game even forgets that Grace, the character sister Grace, had this sort of conception of Nazis as like people who were under this like larger umbrella and not just like monsters or demons or whatever because she sort of gets in a fight with another character who she continually dehumanizes as a Nazi and that sort of doesn't really track with what she and BJ first talk about which is strange. Mm -hmm. um, there's, a, there's a lot of sort of like inelegant joints I would say the bits in the game where you can see the seams and the things don't quite match up the way you'd think they would and I'm not really sure what to make of that um, I had a line in my piece about the production of the game that I cut or Reed told me to cut maybe because I can't really verify and no one can really know what happened when they made this game but there are there is like a bunch of DLC of course coming out for the game and I have to wonder if they like sort of had to rush it out the door at a certain point because it does feel sort of shockingly incomplete. Mm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, there's... Yeah, some of that stuff feels just sort of a problem with its basic structure, right? Like, there are... I, I've heard from people even who really like this game that, you know, it ends too abruptly and right. <clears throat> it doesn't feel like it's, you know, the, the second half of it kind of just, like... Uh, just rockets along it doesn't feel like it's it's sort of of a piece with the first half um, 
But I was going to say, like, some of that stuff seems like it's just that's how the game was written. I don't know if... Yeah, absolutely. But, you know, I I, uh, I think, yeah, the, the bigger point is... I, I wonder about how much... I, I don't like this game very much. Um, I think it's it does a few things that are good, and it sort of sabotages itself at every other step. And it kind of makes the its predecessor, which was... Is it the New Order? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. There's Old Blood, New Order, New Colossus. Mm. Um, it makes that one almost feel like it was... <laughs> like they walked this really, really thin tightrope and managed to pull it off. Um, but now it's like sort of retrospectively like everything feels like these people may not be in as much control of the story they're telling as as you may have thought from playing the one before. Um, just, just the way that this game sort of like brings up different, different elements of history and politics and, and drops them to the side and doesn't seem to know why it wants to look at these things. Um, yeah. This is a terrible way. I'm all over the place this morning. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I'll pass off to someone else because I can't. I can't put it right. I'm too. I'm too muddled. The the first thing I want to say about the game, I want to prefix by saying that I'm not using this word um, flippantly, and I'm not trying to be funny. And this isn't something I'm saying to give like a blunt and um, just dismissive response to the game. I mean this in a really full sense. I think it's a very stupid game. I think it's a, a a very very stupid game that resembles a very smart game, mm. and I I don't think it's necessarily just a case of the game having uh, a muddled political or, or moral or social communique. I don't think it's just a case of the game feeling unfinished. I don't think it's just a case of the game playing very badly. I thought it was a, a really clumsy and, and unenjoyable experience in terms of just playing a shooting video game. I think the game is very stupid in the sense of what it seems to find thrilling and what it expects us as players to find thrilling and exciting and and niche and cute. And I think it's a very stupid game in the sense that it, if this existed, I think... And I, again, this sounds like one of those slightly unfair and, and boorish and churlish criticisms to give to a video game but I really do sense that if this existed in television or, or movies or something it would not be regarded in the same sense that it has been I think in video games I, I agree mm. I, I think that this this says something that it doesn't mean to say and the response to it says something that it, it doesn't mean to say and like Astrid was pointing out there are so many really badly attached joints there are so many clumsy moments there are so many parts of this game where i i could i felt like i could see where it was going and it didn't go there and usually when you know you say that about like a a plot or something oh i thought i could see where it was going and then it was really different it's a compliment with wolfenstein the new colossus it's not it was like it was like they just sort of swerved violently on like a straight road and flipped the car (laughs) every time um so for example Alex, what you were saying at the start, right, about how the first half of the game suggests maybe more a connection between American and Nazi culture um, than the American characters would like to believe exists. Mm -hmm. And then in the second half of the game, you have the American hero, Blaskovitz, have his head transplanted onto a German, like a Nazi body. 
And that never enters into the sort of dialogue, you know, that we've got this literal hybrid now between American and Nazi, and what does that say? Yeah. Um, uh, the scene with Adolf Hitler, which oh, we'll, my gosh. I'm hoping we'll talk about at length oh. later on, is when I, the, when I call the game stupid, this is what I mean, because it's, it's, a, it's a scene with Adolf Hitler who inarguably is one of the most terrifying and sort of appalling figures in history, and they turn him into a... I'd say inarguably on that one. That's what I said inarguably, yeah. Oh, I thought you said arguably. No, 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 inarguably. <laughs> inarguably one of the most appalling and terrifying figures of history, and they turn him into, I don't even know, like a, a character from Family Guy or something. Yeah. Or like a really, really lazy Coen Brothers kind of one-scene character. Um, yeah. The stuff with Blaskovich and his father, which is built up for the majority of the first half of the game and ends with this ridiculous arm chopping off with an axe scene, uh, which feels really light and sort of empty and, and is, is thrown away. The Sister Grace character who comes and goes as the game sees fit. That Horton character who is introduced in the last kind of 30 minutes and never has anything to do. There's just so much kind of mess and, and jumble, I think, in Wolfenstein, mm-hmm. The New Colossus. And that the real nail in the coffin for me... Uh, it was twofold actually one it was that closing scene where you have the rebel rousing speech from Hyatt or Fergus and it's being intercut as you know why why Wyatt is telling the American people to rise up and resist Nazi regime it's intercut with the names of the developer and the name of the producer (laughs) and it it feels like such a kind of cash in at that point it's so cynical you know um, the voice of the revolution brought to you by this corporation and then (laughs) the other scene that, that really tore it was when uh, Anya dives in the way of some bullets to sort of rescue uh. Blaskovitz and she's pregnant throughout the game and it's like such a limp excuse you could see that they'd, they'd kind of anticipated the image before they'd come up with the context and it's such a limp context that right, her jacket catches fire so she has to sort of rip <laughs> off her jacket and we get this, this grindhouse-ish image of her with like a machine gun in each arm topless um, covered in blood pregnant and <laughs> you can you can really and I know I know that this sounds unfair again it goes back to what Astrid was saying is we can't anticipate what people were thinking and that's absolutely true but I don't think there's many people who watched that sequence and didn't feel like this is trying to get on Twitter this is trying to uh, like be talked about this is this is a this is a publicity move Mm -hmm. it's like it's it's, it's a photo opportunity of a moment I really have no idea what to make of that image like it sort of just happened and i was like sure like i at that point i was i don't know i still have no idea what to well, make that, of that. that's like, that's why i find the game so cynical because i i it's exactly the kind of game that up until a few years ago never really cared about anyone never cared about politics never cared about women certainly and now that that is different now that there's a generation of people who are playing video games who are also very verbal and vocal about politics and feminism on a daily basis. The game, or this kind of game, is starting to reflect it. And I, in some sense, you might argue that it's noble and that it's valuable, but I, I can't help the feeling, I think I wrote this on Twitter, that our politics, the things that we say and do and think and feel, are being sort of taken and then and repackaged and sold back to us. Mm-hmm. And I, I, what I can't help but suspecting is that if the sort of conversation and the, the politics on Twitter or something like that change tomorrow, then the game would change with it. I don't feel like it's genuine. I, I feel like a lot of the right. new Colossus is just a, a money maker, but now with the kind of language and terminology of liberalism and feminism. I know, 
I know what you mean, but I don't even think you need to go into that aspect of sort of like intention uh, with this. I think I think this game and all of its attempts to be sort of um, maybe subversive, which is definitely too strong a word for where it ends mm. up, but it's, you know, it's attempts to be subversive. I think it, it just, it undermines itself constantly in a similar way the first game does as well, but not as it's easier to ignore it's it's easy to miss the ways it does it because well, it's not I don't, I don't know if it's trying to be subversive so much as it's trying to be hip and you don't think it's trying to be subversive no no not at all there's nothing I don't here. Think so. there's nothing here that you don't I've... think at the beginning of this game when they're you know it's okay here's your here's the hero's dad and he's saying oh i'm you know he's saying uh anti-semitic slurs and stuff to your mom and then makes you kill a dog and stuff like this this game wants you to be but it's got thinking. An, it's oh, got, this is this is dangerous. It's this got is, an uh, eighteen rating on the box, and I, I I've seen films and read books and looked at the news over the past year. I mean, uh, I, I don't know. I don't think it, that doesn't seem to me subversive so much anymore. As like I said before, hip, like um, it, it is joining in on a, a sort of a, a culture of of being outraged and a culture of being shocked and a culture of having to endure this kind of stuff on quite a regular basis. It feels to me like the game is is really trying to join in on something as opposed to subvert it. Um, yeah, I, the uh, I think the mm. game starts that dog scene at the start, and then the scene where Caroline dies. I think are they feel like really showy, like absolutely moments that are sort of sweating to like make you feel something or get really engaged in these moments. And I think of those big moments in the game i think probably the dog scene works the mm. best because we don't you know don't much just... about bj's like childhood and all that stuff and it mm-hmm. sort of it opens the game with a moment that you maybe don't expect but the caroline scene i think is uh pretty much a total failure um and that's like i think the first set piece in the game really is that scene with caroline and um again wyatt in my playthrough or Fergus being trapped and it's sort of an echo of the scene in the first game where you where have you to, to choose one. between them but this time you can't save Caroline and she gets her head cut off and then her head is stepped on by a giant robot and then the entire time that's happening the villainous Frau Engel is like mocking her daughter for eating cake and it's just this really like crass sort of mashup of all these elements that are like every single one of them is like cranked over the top and mm. it just it's like farce but to what end i'm still not really sure because the way they animate (laughs) caroline's head like rolling onto the floor and her face goes slack it's like so gleefully detailed that it just loses like i liked caroline the first game and this one they just they get rid of her immediately for you hardly remember who she is yeah yeah, it's just Alec, yeah, Alex. What did you think about this idea of it being subversive in in moments such as these? Uh, I agreed that like I think the stuff with the father was subversive. Like you know, going back into his childhood and showing these as the uh, <clears throat> what's the word I want? Uh, you know what made him into who he is. But the Caroline thing was, I feel like, yeah, definitely trying to be subversive, but. It was just going in so many directions at the same time with, like, Frau Ingo, like, lifting her head and, like, bringing it to her daughter's face. I was just like, what on earth are you trying to do here? (laughs) 
I found that about so many of the cutscenes yeah. that they were just, just um, like all over the place. That cutscene where you first meet Horton and BJ and Horton oh are drinking, <laughs> and the the camera is circling them like the Reservoir Dogs breakfast scene, while a guy plays clarinet, while someone else is sniping, <laughs> while bullets come in through the window, while Horton and BJ argue about um, everything. It seems, and it's. I can I can understand the sort of impetus of you know we want to fill our cutscenes you want yeah. to make them a yeah, little yeah. Bit, we want to make them a bit irregular we want to give them some character we kind of like them being a bit manic and colourful and you never expected this but it's just noisy mm. there's that bit where they're all heading out on a mission and by the way the 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 cast in this game the 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 lineup of uh, the hero characters I found so annoying after a while they're sort of cutesy back and forth patter and the sort of in jokes going between them it was like watching a really really shit Avengers movie. And they're all going out <laughs> on a mission and they flip open the submarine and just like un- unexpectedly there's two of them in there having sex. Oh, yeah. What the f- what? Why? You know, it, it, it seems like every scene had about eight different writers. Um, yeah, it's sort of like a, like a Guy Ritchie thing if mm. it was on speed the entire time. It's like everything is happening at once. There's that one scene where they sort of set up that BJ is dying in the first half of the game and he doesn't want to tell Anya... And so he decides that he's not going to tell her. And then, like, the very next scene, she drags it out of him. While there's, like, this other sort of, like, comic thing happening in the background and then the foreground of the shot and the scene. And it just, it all becomes, like, you can't really focus on anything. And they whip through every, like, major plot point so quickly. Yeah. That it's, like, hard to really tell where you are at plot-wise in the game. Except, like, I think the scene... Or it's sort of like a, a long sequence of BJ being captured and then uh, hallucinating that he's escaping, which I don't think is much of a shock when you reveal that he's actually not doing all these things because that story goes on for mm-hmm. so long. That And then you see that he's actually being executed. But that entire sequence is sort of the only time they really take their time to establish anything. And I think the rest of the game just, yeah, it has that sort of rat-a-tat bantery pace that it I don't know I'm not gonna say you can't do that with this subject material but I don't think they do it well no to me it very much Um, oh sorry go ahead no no sorry Uh, to me it very much feels like a lot like the same problems that a lot of like big budget action movies are having right now where it feels like the jokes are coming are being like added in at the end by someone else because some because mm. everybody's mm-hmm. like yeah people like when the hero's got a good sense of humor and it's just like yeah. joss whedon's voice coming out of every mouth and it's yeah. exhausting yeah he yeah joss whedon comes in the last week of filming and gives everyone like five extra jokes or whatever mm. like punches it up yeah um yeah i was i was gonna say about some of that stuff as well um, I, I think the way that they approach things in this, and I don't want to, I think people have talked a lot about the tone in this game. And I, I, I don't want to center too much on that because I think there is a way that you can make this kind of story and have it work that you can have this kind of loud, uh, sort of like cartoonish story that also is willing to be serious. Sometimes I think it's difficult to pull off and I don't think this game does it. I think the first game comes closer to, balancing that sort of thing um but a lot of the problem with a lot of the sort of just the way that the story is told in this one i 
for me, a lot of it was kind of summed up when BJ, you know, at the end of his hallucination thing where he gets beheaded in front of everyone and then his head falls down and gets picked up by a robot and sewn <laughs> onto a new body, which is like, yeah, it's like funny, I guess. It's, it's B-movie kind of slap, like, it's borderline slapstick, the whole thing with the little robot going down and, like, grabbing it right before and it's, like, mixed with this Ocean's Eleven horseshit um, <laughs> oh, God, yeah. <laughs> but i think what that whole sequence did more than anything was really sort of hammer home the idea that nothing means anything in this world um you can cut someone's head off and dump it into a furnace and it, it doesn't mean anything he's still alive it's still fine mm. um and just the same thing with the end of you know the fact that this this game exists at all as a sequel when you have uh, a character preparing for his own death and a nuclear right. weapon about to explode and then it's just oh no it's it's fine he's he's pretty beat up he's uh he's talking to caroline a lot but uh, <laughs> he's he's fine you know like it's just it's all so weightless and sort of i don't know in that first game it felt like these characters were vulnerable in some way mm. even though when you play it you, you still get the sense that that Blazkowicz is um is is powerful and you know as a shooter character is sort of this force of nature that can't fully be defeated they they counteracted it by having him you know be sort of like melodramatically sensitive which i think works really well in that first game it makes him more human and in this game it's just like all of that's kind of thrown away it's it's they're trying to have it with the stuff with caroline they're trying to have it with if you go through the fergus thing he's you know, has this robotic arm that keeps punching him, and then if you go through the Wyatt thing, he's he has like PTSD essentially, and he's you know trying to he's like going on a psychic journey. <laughs> he's like tripping really? inside his mind. Yeah, he's he's like eating acid the entire game. And uh, oh, that sounds a lot more so interesting than Fergus. It's it's, it's not it's a, Fergus stuff in this game is fucking unbearable. It's like. yeah, it's a lot better. The Fergus stuff in the first game is way better, and then the Wyatt stuff in this game is way better. Okay. Um, why it's like he's not a great character, but there is something a little bit interesting about him being sort of like beaten down, and he he gets a, a gunshot goes off next to his ear at the beginning, so he's wearing this bandage around his ear, and he's hard of hearing the entire game. And um, anyway, so all all this stuff. I mean, in this game, the the Wyatt stuff works much better than the Fergus stuff, but I don't think any of it feels. It's like you could have a scene in this one where Anya is tortured to death in front of you for 25 minutes and it's awful and, you know, it's disgusting to watch and horrible and everything. And then it, just the way that this the stakes are set up in this, she could just be back, you know, well, this two, is, two levels later. Um, this is I'm kind of itching to jump in here because this is one of yeah. the, the central problems, I think, of this game is that it, it stopped... In the first game, you start the game as Blaskovich, and he's kind of an anonymous soldier, a part of the American army. And I think that in that game, he's framed as uh, a man who kind of has the world on his shoulders and is um, sort of stricken with this Beowulfian responsibility to fix things. But he's not necessarily a center point for, like, the resistance. He's, he's not... Right. A sort of mythical hero in the sense that he is in this second game. In the second game, what it it doesn't really feel like um, 
the Nazis versus the world. It, it's like this band of soldiers against Frau Engels Nazis. It's 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 a game that's like quite a lot I think about Blaskovitz. And yeah. it's it's very focused on the revenge story of, of him and, and Engel. And really exactly what you were saying about how when a character dies and is then brought back to life, um, it, it kind of strips the game of like a, a certain level of dramatic stakes. I also think that the fact that Blaskovich dies and is brought back just hammers home how much this is really concerned, not with a sort of big picture resistance battle between Nazis and non-Nazis. It's about Blaskovich. Um, they can't, right, they can't yeah. bear to lose him. It feels like a braver thing to, do, yeah. to have done would have been to have him killed and, you know, switch perspectives. You play as somebody else. Mm. Um, yeah, the, I, all I was going to say is the first time I was playing this game, that's when it, it broke for me. That's when I, I had no faith in it anymore because yeah. I thought they were doing that. I thought they were going to do something bold and it's, then just, nope, no, 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 don't worry about it. It's much more about the, the sort of interplay i think between those resistance characters now it, it, they're like the kind of scooby gang and um mm -hmm. it's it's much more uh, the things that happen in this game you know you, you explode a nuclear bomb you go to venus you watch ronald reagan get shot in the head you <laughs> ride this like futuristic motorbike all this kind of stuff goes on and the game never recognizes or acknowledges any of it it just kind of all happens and it, it I'm, I'm losing my train of thought because basically this game is, is bananas and not in a good way. It, it, it's, it goes out in all these kind of sporadic different directions, wacky, 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 big, 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 and then it tries to sort of always rein itself back in under kind of two rubrics. One, which is we've got this cast of resistance fighters and we can always rely on them and their sort of interplay. And two is it's always trying to hammer home the sort of moral simplicity of, yeah, let's kill the Nazis. And uh, they, it starts to feel less kind of uh, like sanguine or sincere than just a way to sort of try and keep grounding all of this big imagery. You know, we, we, we go on all these absurd and uncontextualized adventures and, and diversions and tangents, and then the game sort of reins it back in by saying, yes, but we need to stop the Nazis because they're evil. And yeah. I, yeah, I don't I feel, this is, Astrid, you made this point to me in conversation, which is that there's not many scenes in this game of the Nazis committing violence or atrocities against anybody except the main cast. You know, and it, it yeah. does really feel like a battle between these characters, you know, the non-Nazi characters and the Nazi characters, as opposed to, like, a big kind of um, high-stakes, uh, there's a lot to lose here thing, like in the first game. There's one more point I was going to make, and I've, I, it's... it's Oh, it's escaped me all of a sudden. Oh, God damn it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That dream sequence. That's when it... Reed, you mentioned it lost you at that decapitation scene. Mm -hmm. It lost me at the dream sequence because it was a dream sequence where Blaskowicz is meant to be fantasizing, escaping and, and killing all of these people and, and getting out. But you still have to... You can still die and you still have to like, pick up bullets and health. And it's like a really difficult scene to play. And that felt to me like a really, really conclusive demonstration that this game is, is without direction, that this game doesn't uh, have a consistency I, of time. Well, it, it's a dream. If it, if it wants to feel like a dream. I know that what they want you to do is be surprised and go, oh, God, yeah, I've not escaped. Isn't that no, 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 I'm not, <laughs> but I, I, I'm not. I'm not saying that. I just say there's, there's maybe an argument that, you know, that I've seen, and, and I think it's, it's fine uh, to read it as being, you know, even in BJ's dreams of 
as wild as fantasies of escaping, he still feels like he has to go through all this. Oh, that is that is giving yeah. such a helping hand to the game. It's <laughs> nothing to do with that at all. It's just they couldn't be bothered to think about it that much. It's a, it, yeah, I think it's a fantasy well, sequence set entirely within the regimens and mechanics of the video game elsewhere. It doesn't... Yeah. Really. So, anyway. Yeah, I mean... Well, sorry. That, <laughs> no, that, that whole set piece, I think, is sort of the inflection point where the game it feels like it could really go somewhere new. And I think what they do is sort of... <laughs> the path of least resistance i guess i'm not gonna like uh brainstorm what they could have done but there is you can sort of easily imagine a version of that fantasy that like builds and builds and you're sort of left confused as to why the mechanics have changed and everything Mm. has like sort of been upended on you and then the rug is pulled out but what they do is sort of like this halfway measure where yeah you just play this like sort of uh really difficult and shitty combat sequence um until you don't and then they show you that bj's head is being cut off and he talks to his mom and all this stuff and yeah then immediately after that he's brought back to life like there's no (laughs) there's no time to like maybe feel like they're not gonna do that or that anything else might happen it just sort of all is unloaded at once and you don't really get to be surprised i mean they've already foreshadowed the head transplant with the subtlety of like uh that star trek movie with benedict cumberbatch where it was it kirk dies but then the tribbles bring him back which is like unveiled in great detail earlier in the movie by bones mm. and of <laughs> course that's not gonna about? happen you haven't seen this the star no trek? And, oh, no and i was well, trying to just be quiet but then you said tribbles and then i was like okay i'll be quiet and then you said well, and then bones says it yeah, I mean, I'm not going to explain the whole thing, but it's sort of that same thing where they like they lampshade and foreshadow this happening really early on, it, and it just it doesn't really hit with any force. If you were surprised, I apologize, but um, yeah, it 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 really where is that? It's welcome, I think. Alex, what did what did you think? Oh, of him being was. brought back to life. Yeah, do you think it killed the game? Oh god, no. Yeah. I for me that wasn't the point. That's a leading that question. It, it died <laughs> for me the Hitler scene is where it died. <laughs> yeah. Cuz I feel like there's one like last moment where it like reaches its dying hand towards the themes of the earlier game, of earlier on where like you're you know, you've got the kidnapped actor in the back of your car as you're putting on your very clever mustache disguise <laughs> to head to Venus. And he's like, are you a Nazi? Can't even tell anymore. And it's like, all right, that was, that was the last glimmer of any of that. And then, and then yeah. it's like, he sees Hitler and his idea of what Nazis are is rejuvenated. And he's got like all this energy to fight the Nazis again. Yeah. It's, it's like, uh, don't, don't worry about it this is different nazis are these you know shadowy figures these ghouls who live on venus and uh are separate and uh, I, I don't know what was that it? hitler's what was it about the hitler scene that threw it off you then alex i think it was that like just because you said that was when it broke the game I'm, I'm interested just to chase that yeah um i think it's like it had certain callbacks to the earlier 
like themes that they were playing on where they're trying to you know show you oh well like Blasco's dad is like this terrible like white supremacist Nazi asshole and but he's his father and they're like keep pulling in the parenthood of these characters and they like even do that just barely with Hitler where he calls out for his mother and then it's like but they like play that like everything else in the scene as a joke and it was to me the moment where they just stopped caring about saying anything at all or trying yeah uh, isn't it on venus where bj discovers what happened to his mom like i think really briefly or offhand or something no his, 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 dad, his dad tells, tells him. him that she died was in a concentration camp oh oh yeah i think he informed on her and then I think the dad. Something I think like the dad mentions it, but you find some document on Venus that sort of specifies yeah. when and where or something. Anyway. Yeah, that sounds right. That might have been it. But again, you think find... of think of that. Just think of that as a sentence to describe. I was just gonna <laughs> say, I think maybe you find the document on Venus that lets you know how his mother died. <laughs> okay. Cool. Can we? Um, I I wanted to talk about that that Hitler scene because yeah. I think it's. It's really interesting. Um, and uh, I think we were talking before, too, about the idea that this game kind of... I think uh, far less so than the first game does. It The first game, I don't think, was fantastic about this either. But it doesn't really have any interest. And I don't know if it absolutely has to, but I'm kind of curious about how this works in the Hitler scene. It doesn't really have much interest in explaining why the nazis are bad you know mm -hmm. which on one hand is something that if you are you know 14 years old you you probably understand why the nazis were bad uh in, in at least the simplest sense right of uh this was their this was their uh ideology toward people who were not uh them essentially um but obviously it's a lot more complicated than that as well there's a lot more that goes into it but this game doesn't I think even give you that much it doesn't seem it, it sort of takes the premise okay you know nazis are bad this is why um but i think when the point it comes to when it shows you hitler i think if you're making any sort of media that's going to grapple with fascism and, and nazism and you're going to put hitler in as a character it's like your flashpoint right it's like your big moment to show this is where i'm going to grapple with the heart of this issue and this game, to me, I don't want to lead too much because I'm curious what everyone else thinks. Um, that's maybe its greatest sort of failing as a as a cogent piece of art is when it, it brings Hitler into the picture mm. and seems to have nothing at all to say about him and about what well, he yeah. is and who he you know what he represents. I mean, that's the biggest. Uh, pull from like actual history that they make right is like Hitler himself showing up in the picture like everything else is within the fictional bounds of this game and whether it works or not is sort of well except for all the fairly low stakes counterculture stuff that they well yeah but they also they're careful to like fictionalize that just enough <laughs> right I mean they slip up there's the the sort of like uh, smoking gun of the free Huey pin that the black liberation front is wearing which is like 
sort of a, a yeah it just makes no sense if you know anything about Huey Newton and the Black Panthers why that would be existing in the Wolfenstein 2 timeline mm-hmm. but I think Hitler Hitler is sort of like and this is maybe something I should have said explicitly in my piece but the presence of Hitler is sort of like the presence of the the Nazi itself which is like this this uh stereotypical image that is sort of hard to subvert or undermine in any meaningful way especially if you do what Wolfenstein 2 does which is just make him into like a a a comic fuck up who like I think the the tension or the irony there is supposed to be like well this guy's just a moron how can that be he's so impotent and cartoonish and all this shit but it just I don't it felt really crass which I hate to say because like that is sort of the tone the game strikes overall and I but here it just feels I don't know. I feel like the game is trying to reflect or capture its rebellious iconoclastic attitude with the way that it represents the Nazis, i.e. um we're we're gonna make them silly and farcical. We're going to um Braves. what's the word I'm looking for? Um, not deride, but we're we're just going to make fun of them. We're going to ridicule them, you know, and that and that's yeah. all. That's how we're going to make this game seem subversive and and out there is that we're we're not afraid to ridicule them. We're not afraid of them to the point that we're going to make them look stupid. Um, but what that means, I mean, the, the the Nazi characters in in this game, I think even more than the first one, are such abstractions by now. They're they're such. They're, they're, they're so extreme variations on Nazis that they stop being, I think, at all relevant. Right. You know, they don't even. There's a point where they I look was like spacemen at this point. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like Frau Engel is just this laughing, cackling sort of wicked witch of the West. Uh, yeah. Hitler, you know, he sort of to- he's like the Hitler from Inglorious Bastards, and he sort of comes in wearing slippers and he's like throwing up and pissing in a bucket and shooting people <laughs> randomly and lying on the floor and sort of rolling around like a child. It, it's it's yeah. honestly it is like a kind of Mel Brooks Hitler, mm-hmm. and there's a point where I was fighting robots. And it's uh-huh. like, you know, we, we've, we've lost the sort of real-world element of the Nazis now to the point that we've turned them into literal machines. And not like machine-men hybrids, like in the New Order, which maybe said something about the kind of dehumanizing process of the Nazi regime. But just, just yeah. robots. Um, <laughs> and it, it, it stops having any bearing, I think, on reality. Because it, it's it's a comedy. It's it's it is like it's an action comedy. This game, whereas the New Order was solemn, and the the jokes in the New Order felt like a relief. I think you know when there's a little bit of humour, it was it was a nice moment. Whereas in this game, it's tedious because they're doing it all the time. Mm-hmm. So to call this game subversive, that to me feels wrong because it, it it's actually quite cowardly, and it's it's making fun of this stuff as opposed to sort of grappling with it. To call it I don't know politically charged or sort of brave feels wrong because again it's it's making fun of this it's sort of satirizing it as opposed to uh, even satirizing feels like too generous a word but it, it's not it's not sort of biting down into it and, and really dealing with this stuff it's just making fun of it it's just like john olivering it um <laughs> and I, I that's that's why i and because it's not even doing that very well because it's not very funny and because it is quite tedious and because the characters are quite thin i 
got nothing from it. It wasn't Sombo. It wasn't like a really good political essay, or I know that's a kind of ridiculous term to try and apply to it, but you know, it wasn't a great political parable or anything like that. But it also wasn't funny. It also wasn't entertaining satire, and those kind of yeah. those kind of big brassy. Uh, clownish Nazi characters I've seen before as well in, in like, I don't know, like some B movie from whenever. Um, yeah, that I want, uh, that Hitler scene. I, I don't want to start talking about it in the sense of I feel like it was, you know, irresponsible. And if you're going to do the Nazis, then you you've got a responsibility to do them in a certain way and take them seriously. But was that an impression of me? No, 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 no. That was, <laughs> that was, I don't know who that was an impression of. Um, but it was if if I just can't tell. I, I've completely. I don't even the game knows by the time that scene rolls around what it wants. What it wants. I don't know if it wants to be funny and, and ridicule the Nazis or whether it wants to be taken seriously and for us to really think about what it's saying here and representing. I don't think it's got any idea at all, this game, what it wants to be. I want to. I think Alex will probably have a specific insight into this. Uh, well, by the time this episode goes up, yeah, Alex will have written on. Uh, on this yeah scene. so i really really want to push you two jokers to the side and hear what Alex <laughs> has to say. um i think it's absolutely right that it's like that scene just like it, it really exemplifies the whole problem of the game of it just not knowing what it's trying to say where i like i felt like the most charitable read of that scene was that they were trying to kind of do it like a political cartoon where they were just gonna mm-hmm. be shitting on Hitler, which like shitting on Hitler is fun, um, but like it was just so bizarrely delivered. Where you know you've got the director Helene, like or Helene or whatever the heck her name is, um, you know, just smiling and crossing off the checklist when he shoots the guy in the head, and like having a weird oh I'm gonna get this throw up off my shoe and like all of these jokes seem to kind of be delivered by her and I it's like I don't know who we're making fun of or if you're actually trying to make fun of them at all I just couldn't tell what they were trying to do (laughs) yeah it's really yeah it's really confused I don't know it yeah it just doesn't land was it ed was it ed who called it sort of like a mel brooks yeah because mm-hmm. i think that's like a pretty a pretty good way of putting it like it's it's more caricature like sort of buffoonery which yeah like alex is saying too like that's that's fine but what's what's the point what are yeah, like, i don't think the, the message of this uh particular critique is not like respect oh god no let's be clear <laughs> like <laughs> i just don't think they they don't know really what to say and so they just make it gross yeah and that doesn't really do anything for me like and i think yeah inglorious bastards does a similar thing and that's one of the weakest parts of that movie Mm -hmm. and i think uh is there an explicit hitler in the producers or is it like someone playing hitler Mm -hmm. i can't i can't remember someone plays hitler though right yeah they get the nazi guy to play hitler right think so i can't remember the Germans, yeah producers. yeah but that movie also has i think something to say yeah specifically well there's a the the, so, the the best hitler joke is in blazing saddles 
which is when they're fighting on the the film studio back lot, and we sort of cut to the dining, <laughs> uh, the dining room, the cafeteria, and there's a guy sat there in like Hitler costume, ready to film a scene, and somebody asks him, you know, like how long are you here for? And he replies in this like really thick. I think it's like Mel Brooks doing the dub, in this really thick like <laughs> Yiddish accent. He goes, "Oh, they lose me right after the bunker scene." <laughs> and, and that's that's the Hitler joke, um, and th- th- Wolfenstein is not that witty. Um, no, I think one of the things that's happened. I'm 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 sort of I'm sorry that I'm I think I'm moving us away from talking about the Hitler scene specifically here. Um, but one of the things that's happened between the New Order and the New Colossus that's made it sit less comfortably with me. And it's, it's, I don't think this is anybody's fault necessarily, or it's not some you know, clear creative decision which you can sort of throw a dart into. Um, mm-hmm. It's become a franchise, you know, it's become a series. And I think that as soon as that happens, as soon as you have a sequel on your hands, some of the sincerity goes out of it. And some of the problem is that I think the things about the first game that seemed subversive, so that seemed new, that seemed sort of sincere and and different um you know these the people writing this game have something like a conscience that those things were written about and talked about so much that they've become kind of wolfensteinian tropes and now they're being or they're attempting to replicate the same things in the sequel and because it's a sequel just that word sort of connotes a a certain amount of wanting to profit you know it it, it connotes um commercialism that maybe wasn't as present in the first well, in, in the new order maybe not as present a little but maybe not as present that was like a pleasant mm-hmm. surprise that game and this feels like an inevitability and because of that because of the characters becoming what am I trying to say here does anyone understand what I'm getting at that it, <laughs> it sort of loses some of its heart just as a byproduct no, it, of becoming I mean, yeah. a sequel it, it, yeah. it starts BJ talking BJ's like continual monologue at the start about Caroline, I think, is the best example because it feels like them writing BJ along like the character document that they already have for BJ. Yeah, it's like, oh, well, right. we need to get his sort of sentimental monologue in here. Where can we fit that? <laughs> so they do it then. But all you're doing at that point is like sneaking around the inside of the boat, and he just keeps fucking talking about like Caroline's <laughs> wings and all this stuff. And it's like all I'm doing is like getting around this box. Like, just stop. With Car- this shit, Caroline—they laid on so thick. Caroline, move that box for me out of my way. <laughs> Stay with me just like, a little bit longer. To, yeah, trying to jump onto this little ladder or whatever, and he keeps—he's just lend going me on your and strength, on. Caroline. Just stay a little longer with Caroline. me, Caroline. <laughs> lend me the light to see my way through this box puzzle, Caroline. <laughs> I can't make it on my own. God knows. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think that is right that it, it it feels like them doing Wolfenstein instead of something fresh. And it is as far as I can tell it's like the almost an identical creative team to the first game. Mm. So I think it is sort of them trying to stay on the rails of what they've already yeah. established. But that game like we've already said it sort of came to a sensible and like a, even a little bit not profound, but like maybe a little touching of an end that felt right for that game in the way that Anya sort of supplants BJ at the end as the yeah. head of this resistance. Uh, and then in the second one, he just comes back and it's him again. Mm. It's like such a 
dispiriting return to the status quo. And Anya's also just, again, in, in just sort of like a technical, uh, larger plot sense, Anya's kind of wasted mm-hmm. in this one. And yeah. she she's like, I think, kind of the heart of that first game. Um, her her yeah. character, the whole... <clears throat> the more you learn about her is, is done, I think, without it feeling forced. And, and in this one, she's... Yeah, they're all kind of cartoons in this game. They all were sort of cartoonish in the first one. You know, the, the sort of UN of of anti-Nazis um, who were sort of all, like, undesirables uh, in their own way. In this in this game, they're, it's like what Ed was saying, like Scooby-Doo kind of thing. I just, it just occurred to me that when you first meet Anya, or one of the first Anya scenes, it's when you watch the Nazis murdering um, you know, people with mental illnesses in a hospital. And then, mm-hmm. and then we go to uh, a Nazi prison where they keep the prisoners sort of in these horrible metal masks and sort of chained to the wall. And then we go to you know, a concentration camp. And in this game, they kill Caroline. And that's it. You know what I mean? <laughs> they kill Caroline and then they kill Super Spech. <coughs> and, and that's yeah. it. Really. Well, that's, that's part of what I meant when I was talking about, you know, sort of leading into the Hitler thing about how this one again I don't know how much you need to establish maybe no you do have to establish because especially if you're trying to paint yourself as this this or who knows if they were doing it or if that's just how it was received but it's this kind of like politically nuanced uh, mm-hmm. you know critique of of uh, American uh, fascist elements and blah 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 you got you got to talk about what this stuff is. You got to show it a bit more. I mean, they try to, I guess, with BJ's dad, but I, I think that stuff is well, yeah. extremely ham-fisted. The uh, BJ killing his dad, you can sort of tenably read that as the game showing BJ renounce that history and that burden, and sort of putting America's complicity and America's past behind him and the resistance. Because from that point forward, he does sort of win everyone over with this very general, like, fight the Nazis ideology. Mm-hmm. And that him killing his dad, I think one of the ways to read that is him and the game sort of closing the book on that stuff, which kind of sucks because, uh, yeah, like, that's sort of one of the more nuanced things they raise. Mm. Yeah, and... I mean, I think that's why this game, a lot of it is why it's being lauded. Um, yeah. You know, that's that's kind of what I meant at the beginning when I'm saying this game, I think, is trying to be subversive. I think it's trying to say, look at your own ugly past, America, you know? Yeah. Like, like who are you? And I don't think it, I don't think it ever, the thing about BJ killing his father, I think, is symbolically interesting. But what does it lead to? Where, where what does that teach us where, other than where, where the game ends is that it ends with this big speech about how America is founded on freedom and how America yeah. is yeah. going to yeah. yeah exactly you yeah know, it, the, it forgets all that it shit. forgets and, and so throws it all away. I mean, in in the first game, America is this sort of distant distant place where it feels like we're never going to go again. Like America's just lost. Yeah. Um, which was that and that was different to me to play a shooter that wasn't about the sort of blinding light of American freedom. And this game, right. it's just it's another shooter about saving America. It's another shooter about saving America. And yeah. you know, how many of those are there? Innumerable. Um, and the fact that it, it's so, it's so empty. It's so empty. 
to 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 start uh, you know and then and then for people to kind of talk about this game as you know reflective of the the problems with like american patriotism as it exists in the 21st century or something like that i, I think i'm playing something different i mean that's the kind of spot i end up on in this game is that i feel like i played something other and then <laughs> i played this i think before uh alex i don't think i talked to you about this much until until later on but i i you know, I was talking to Ed and Astrid about this, and Astrid at first was like, Reed, what the fuck's the matter with you? This game's great. <laughs> <laughs> if you were talking, and then there was a certain point where, like, halfway through or something, maybe it was that, like, faded halfway point where the thing switched, and then we are like, okay, Ed, you gotta play this too. We gotta get a month on this. <laughs> Alex, what? And then you... Sorry, Reed, I thought you were finished talking. Sorry. No, no, I'm just saying that this this thing turned, and I felt like you know, it almost, I, I was halfway hoping that, you know, someone like Astrid would be cheerleading this thing uh, because it feels strange that uh, I feel like we're on like a little oasis. I, I, I don't know. I feel like I'm losing my mind in terms uh, yeah. of how this thing is talked I, about. I feel like I'm Travis Bickle you know, <laughs> driving around sort of looking at video games thinking... <laughs> we all know that ended well. I, oh, yeah. I feel like it's almost like managing to like the after he gets his head chopped off it's all just so rushed from there it i kind of wonder mm -hmm. if people just like were holding on to the first half because like this set like after that it just pushes you forward so fast it doesn't even give you time to think about it if you are, are not trying to really hard yeah mm. that's that's a good point too and i wonder like because i think about this in games a lot of the times when there's just like even emotion toward toward doing something that is you know quote unquote like taboo for games just yeah. saying hey look America there was a time in America <laughs> you know where things were not great and and just being like whoa 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 that's incredible and then people kind of fill in the blanks for themselves because I think there's a real hunger mm. for for stories that are more complex or or willing to say things other than i don't know i don't know it's just like what alex was saying about it. i think you could if you played the first half of that game and shut it off you know mentally or just ejected the disc and forgot about it say well that was pretty good you know that seems like it was going somewhere mm. i don't know what do we as a as a final talking point alex what do you think about how the game just plays as a raw shooting game uh full confession i really suck at shooters so <laughs> i played it on i tried to play it on um whatever the, they called medium initially and i was like wow this sucks a lot like more than most shooters i've played but then, wait, turning it down to baby easy, I really enjoyed it. Um, but I also feel like, like the the biggest like play problem for me was just level design, like where I yeah, like I frequently had yeah. no idea where they were trying to get me to go. <laughs> yeah, the the levels in this game are, especially considering the first game sort of gave you. It would sort of just dump you at the start of like these arena type of levels and let you pick your way through. 
a lot of this game is just corridors and like small rooms that they just flood with guys mm. and it all feels not just linear but like frustrating like you're just grinding your face against these areas until you get through them and actually the <laughs> I will admit that the last boss fight which is like sort of one of the worst boss fights I've ever played um, there's sort of like this big corrugated metal door that rolls up afterwards and I was like okay so I go through there and I went in and I couldn't find anywhere to go so I like kept going around the bigger blimp area and I like jumped off the side and I was like maybe I go down here and it's because there's a ladder yeah. like at the back yeah, of that yeah. room that I couldn't find for like 15 minutes so and after it that a lot yeah, of it, stuff. Just, it just whips you towards the ending and I was like okay cool that, that's my last moment with this <laughs> game there's a lot of stuff like that. I remember, like, in the, the first one, New Order, you... That first level where you're, like, going through bunkers. Um, I remember playing that and being like, oh, this game is not for me. And then that game <laughs> sort of, like, it, it figures itself out after that. And I remember, like, looking at this map and trying to figure out where I was supposed to go and just feeling like I, I didn't understand what I was doing properly. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, everything just felt, like, I don't know, messy in a way that wasn't enjoyable at all and this game the entire thing kind of felt like that except that the very beginning i think is maybe the best part of it when you're in the wheelchair Mm. um yeah that stuff actually has like some weight to it and like there's a lot of different animations they do for like the directions bj bj is going versus where you're aiming and it feels like you have like a sort of physical presence Mm -hmm. the rest Um, of it yeah so I mean, the fact that you get, like, an entirely different body and then, like, you have stilts or, like, power shoulders and stuff, but it feels exactly the same. It's, like, a really weirdly weightless Mm -hmm. game. Yeah. And the first one, I think, like, that almost worked because you were just this, like, murder blur the entire (laughs) game, just, like, charging through everything, doing this stuff, or, you know, sneaking around, which is never fun. But this game, it just... I don't know. It's... I don't know. I, I feel like I'm, like, beating it up, like, a like looking for reasons but like man i didn't like playing this thing yeah i just didn't find it enjoyable to play i felt like when you you like aim down the sights there's like a lot of obstruction of what you're shooting at like smoke and particles and it was hard to tell like when you're landing shots or headshots or whatever i just i don't know i didn't vibe with it (laughs) it was um all of everything you said so far the 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 levels the the sense of just being in a room and income lots of guys that uh the color palette and things like this what i resented the most was just the amount of picking shit up oh my god you know, yes. after every yeah, fight just... having to sort of look at the floor and just run around tapping square to pick <laughs> things up it's it really really kills the rhythm of the whole thing mm-hmm. um where yeah. you're meant to feel like you're BJ Blazkowicz you know this sort of super soldier and you have to stop after every couple of minutes to like sort of neat nick everything off the floor and kind of stuff it in your pocket um, and I know that there are people who say well you know it's, it's like a throwback to the old Wolfenstein games that's how games used to be it's a hardcore shooter it's like an old fashioned shooter when you have to pick shit up through the cool it's like a shooter to play when I was a kid <laughs> it's just fucking bollocks it's, it, you just keep wasting time and it kills the momentum of every level it looks yeah. ridiculous you know you've got him doing these things like caroline give me your wings while you're like picking things up off the ground like loose change <laughs> to eat to um, regain back health to regain back health yeah. which then drops down and then 
like sticking bits of arm into yourself <laughs> and it's it's really just bizarre looking it makes every level look really really bizarre mm. and, and they, slow um, for what it's worth you did have to manually pick everything up in the first oh you game. did and that was that was one which of the... i'm not sure why they didn't change no that. exactly it wasn't good then it's uh, i was yeah. expecting it to be different but it wasn't it's tactile Tactile. But it's not, is it? Because it's not yeah. like he reaches out no, and she gets it. It's just sort of sucked no. up into him like a vacuum. Press <laughs> a button. Yeah. Um, it's a video game. What do you want? I want Doom. Yeah. Picture it by walking over it. Yeah, I wish they didn't. The Venus stuff in this game just serves to remind you of Doom, and that's not a comparison yeah. they yeah. should have drawn to themselves. <laughs> Doom is brilliant. Doom has that that weight you want. It does. And it has that, that crunch. Yeah. Yeah, it's got that good that crunch. Feel. And the levels are really fluid, and they will look great, and it's got great soundtrack. This is the worst Mick... Is it Mick Gordon? This is the worst Mick Gordon soundtrack so far Yeah, as this well. one... There's nothing I this remember. One's yeah, this one's not one, great. Yeah, it's a lot of, like, uh, sort of patriotic... Yeah. Steven Spielberg-y string arrangements happening. I didn't notice the, the music The menu music is okay. <laughs> no, I, yeah, exactly. I really had to listen out for it. So lots of screaming guitars. Um, Ed, you said that was a final point, but we have one last uh, oh, yeah. item on the agenda today. Mm. Um, we have a listener mail, which usually would be too difficult to do, I think, because we don't plan things far enough. At... No, we do plan things carefully, but things change too often for us to do yeah. this regularly. Uh, but this is... Uh, I thought really sort of an interesting uh, point to discuss that I think might kind of wrap a bow on this. Um, friend of the site and someone we all know because he used to write at Kill Screen as well, uh, Toussaint. I don't know how you pronounce Toussaint's last Egan. name, actually. Is it Egan or yeah. Egan? Um, he, he sent me a, a question that I think is actually kind of interesting thing to maybe close out on. Um, which I guess I'll just read because he puts it very well. Um, he, he talks about how there was a tweet, um, from at bloody honey, which is a gross combination of things, (laughs) um, that, that he came across and, and this is sort of the background for what he's saying is, uh, this original tweet said Wolfenstein, the new Colossus is like if Bioshock infinite had even one single thing to say and the, follow-up to that was not even had something important to say like imagine if infinite said anything at all (laughs) um and so i you know i i don't know necessarily if it's great always to talk about things in comparison to each other but i do think because we've covered infinite before uh and they're both games that try to deal with america in this sense it's worth discussing so tucson said uh and at the time i was apt to believe and agree with this this original tweet uh Blah, blah, blah. My question, given that these two games have popularly been compared to one another with regards to their divergent and convergent depictions of roughly the same subject matter, i.e. American exceptionalism, disunity between America's self-image and the country's lived history, which of these games is the more egregious offender in its approach to the subject matter? Bioshock Infinite, with its facile, centrist depiction of the founders and the Vox Populi, cartoonist simplifications of jingoistic white supremacists and anarcho-communists designed to play into the notion of good and bad people on both sides, 
or Wolfenstein 2, <laughs> another banger, with its explicit depiction of contemporary Nazism crafted with the intent of indulging in a historical form of amnesia and erasure, absolving America of its real-world transgressions by way of contrasting them with this extreme antagonistic force. <laughs> so, essentially, you know, what... Is, is there an approach, and maybe part of this too, is is there an approach in the framework we have with these these kind of games so far or maybe I, just I, I make it super simple that. i have an answer to yeah that okay yeah right i'm not, yeah. not going to go first i want alex to to have the privilege of first reply there if you feel like you've got something you can say already alex. oh no you should go first because it's been a long ass time since i played infinite so i gotta think for a second <laughs> right I, uh my answer and it, it, it's maybe a little too cerebral but my answer is that at the end of Bioshock Infinite uh, you're you're kind of encouraged or even directed to feel like what you've been doing has been sort of well just wrong um, it's not been 100% true you know you learn that your character is this shady individual from the Pinkertons you learn that the, the woman who I think you're, you're really invited to look at in a kind of lusty way is actually your daughter and that exposes you know this horrible kind of moral icky moment where you realize that you've been sort of eyeing up your daughter the entire time and at the end of the game it reveals that there's an infinite amount of alternate dimensions i.e that what you've been experiencing is not as important as it maybe once seemed it's not as true in a sense as what it once seemed i.e everything you've done in Bioshock Infinite is questionable. Your character is questionable, your relationship with the lead um, opposite you is questionable, and everything you've done is, is questionable in the sense of whether it really exists. Wolfenstein 2, on the other hand, it is the opposite. It doesn't want you to question it. It wants you just to feel brilliant about what you've done. It wants you to feel smug about it. I think the game is a really uh, bright and brazen example of slacktivism where people are encouraged to feel as they're playing it that they're actually doing something that they're really doing something about um, the situation that is afflicting either them or other people just by, just by playing this game that they're, they're, they're helping somehow um, so for that reason although I'd say infinite for every reason that I listed is also sort of nihilistic and it throws its hands up and it gives up and I, I resent it for that for not having like the guts to say something finally uh, I think Wolfenstein 2 is the bigger offender because not only does it, you know, um, mould and sort of reshape America's past to suit itself or to suit something more convenient, it wants you to feel good about that process. Whereas Infinite, I think, is, is ambiguous or wants you to feel ambiguous about that process. Yeah, w Wolfenstein 2 wants you to feel really good for having played it, whereas Bioshock Infinite ends on more of a kind of melancholic and questionable note. Um, so if they're both kind of guilty of a, of a rewriting or a repositioning of history, Wolfenstein 2 to me is the bigger offender because it's it wants you to sort of almost celebrate that in the end. I would, yeah, I, I kind of, I, I won't go to, because I, I agree with a lot of those points. Um, and, and I would say kind of a similar thing. I think, I, I'm not a fan of Bioshock Infinite, um, but there are things about that game that I think represent like sort of like a, a real willingness to kind of like what you were saying ed to question things um to actually sort of like look at different aspects of the past and 
what being American is, which I guess, yes, the Canadian and the uh, Brit are going to hold forth on Americanism in video <laughs> games, I guess. Um, but in- Infinite does this thing where it's like, it's it's actually looking at what what is this country? What's the makeup of this country? What what makes uh, certain elements of of American past happen? You know, it looks at uh, God. I'm trying to remember everything about it, but you know, it, it looks at the idea of I think the baptism focus of it is big. The idea of renewal, the idea of like breaking from the old world and becoming something entirely different. You know, this republic and uh, that that has this bold new constitution and is is trying to rewrite itself and ends up uh falling into the same holes while still trying to play itself off as somehow different and exceptional and beautiful because of this which i think is like a, a pretty apt uh sort of sort of point to make about america that's still true today that has been true in my understanding for as long as America has been a country and that seems cutting no matter what else the game does and the different ways it fails which it I think does pretty exceptionally with the Vox Populi stuff um but but I think it has like this real willingness to like interrogate a nation and the darkness of of its makeup um while also kind of showing just on the side that maybe there are things that are somewhat beautiful that are worth saving I think Wolfenstein, it's like a coloring book next to it, you know? Like, it's 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 just... In the past, America was bad. Um, and in some ways, bad like the Nazis. And and that's your, your big point, you know? That's the big... <laughs> that That's like its big fucking... Like, that's its thesis, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, that's, that's a and good then it, yeah. And then it undermines all of it as it goes along and ends with hey hey like no but listen like you're not if if you're an american you're not a nazi like (laughs) you're just not i I can't tell you why but you if you kill one that just makes you good and it's it's like i don't know it's neither are are great games i think but i think infinite has a an intelligence to it uh even when it fails i i think it's i don't know and also it references actual history you know, Wolfenstein's afraid to actually, like, make real references to real American history, and 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 Infinite at least has the guts to to say things about, you know, assassination, assassination of Lincoln and and Wounded Knee, mm-hmm. uh, and like the uh, Boxer Rebellion, like actual things. You know, sorry, I like rambled on for a long time. <laughs> no, I think I think that makes a lot of sense. Like. I think in a lot of ways the places where um, Wolfenstein failed to like recognize history is where Bioshock Infinite was at its best, and then like some of the ways that like with the Vox Populi thing that um, that's something that Wolfenstein like you know does get right that they pretty are not ambiguous that the people fighting the Nazis and fascists are good, like it is good to fight fascists, Um, but like. So I think in so I, I'd agree that I think Bioshock Infinite does a better job of it, but I, I also think just in the places where it's fa- where it uh, some of the places where it failed are where Wolfenstein succeeded. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's a good, that's a good point. Like, the surety of Wolfenstein maybe is. I don't know. <laughs> I feel I mean, like it's, it's it's all faint it's praise. It's also hard to tell in Bioshock what exactly leads up to that big Vox Populi moment that everyone always cites because it's like in an alternate universe to the universe you start the get it like they sort of bring mm. this on themselves by like all this time travel shit and like cross dimensional rifts and all that stuff but they like isn't it like you go back to a universe where Booker sacrificed himself or something so his presence would disturb the people that he sees there because they thought he was dead so like I don't know the the irony here is that if you mentioned Bioshock Infinite to the same people who like Wolfenstein 2 they're gonna tell you it was <laughs> shit so um I'm not really sure what people would make of Bioshock Infinite if it was released in 2018 because everything now has become so galvanized that it might get a pass on a mm-hmm. lot of stuff um I do think that Infinite has a lot more going on and there's like a lot more you can read into it and while I don't think that it really tries to follow through on a lot of the things it raises at the start it does sort of like remain internally consistent at least Mm -hmm. where it doesn't end with booker being like the hero or whatever which is sort of that's a really low bar but i think wolfenstein too has skated on just the simple like reed said like just that has acknowledged historical reality and then pass that off as like a thesis it doesn't really advance yeah, so maybe a notion of that history or anything it just tells you something that by all rights you should know already mm-hmm. yeah so both are seven out of ten <laughs> strong exactly yeah um <laughs> i still like them but you know they got problems. Yeah. No, Could I even don't. call them pro- problematic at times. <laughs> <laughs> you could do that. Is there is there more stuff we're supposed to talk about? I feel like there's so much to talk about with this. There is. And I think we're just going to have to hope that it, it comes out in the articles and it comes out a little in this podcast and it, it comes out a little yeah. in people's discussions of either of those things because we're, we're at 1 hour 20 now, so I don't want to keep us keep us going much longer um yeah wolfenstein 2 there we are i think we'll leave it at that and uh next month we're going to be covering are we doing the series or are we doing one of the games we're, we're just going to do both we're going to do Why both not? yeah okay so so next month both on the podcast and on the the website we're looking at metro so metro 2033 and metro last light um and i think those are games that have not exactly commonalities in terms of subject matter, but maybe um, commonalities in terms of intent when they want to kind of cross some sort of political or social or something wrangling with you know high concept shooting and horror uh, in the way that Bioshock Infinite and Wolfenstein 2 do. So it'd be interesting to have those follow on from this month, I think. Um, um, yeah, especially last night. Nazis. Yeah, they have Nazis and communists and people stuck in between. And who's the real monsters in those games? Uh, the monsters. The monsters, the ones that are flying around <laughs> in the sky and spit acid. Yeah, those ones. Uh, so yeah. that's next month on Bullet Points. Uh, until then, you can follow the show and the website at Bullet Points VG. That's on Twitter. And you can go to bulletpointsmonthly.com to read articles by... 
Alex, Reed, Astrid, and myself on Wolfenstein 2, as well as several other popular video games, including Call of Duty World War II, Deus Ex Mankind Divided, and Ghost Recon Wildlands. I'd like to give a special thanks this episode to everyone who supports Bullet Points on Patreon. I'm going to reel them off. That is... Are you ready, guys? Are we, are we set? Try to do it without taking a breath. Do you reckon? <laughs> I, I don't know. Let's see what happens. How many are there? Why not? Okay, I'm going to... At the end of the show, gonna, let's get loose. I'm going to try, okay. I'm going to try. <laughs> I'm clearing my throat. Like, I believe in you. Help, helps me breathe. Okay. Brad Barrett, Ivor Balokov, John Bowen, CD32, Kihun Chan, Jerry Chu, Davis Cox, Billy Easley, Ethan Gatch, Chris Hansen, Josh, Justin Kiva, Charles McMullen, Milos Markachevich, Elias Markstrom, Katie McCarthy, Corey Milne, Neil, Tris Osuch, Levi Rubeck, Stefan, MD Taylor, Johannes Troyans, Caleb Wimble, and Sam Zucci. Thank you very much for your continued support of Bullet Points on Patreon. Hooray. If you're listening to this episode and you've enjoyed it or you've enjoyed any of our writing, you can go to patreon.com forward slash bullet points and throw us some money. Is that everything? Blue. Are we covered? <laughs> that's that's <laughs> everything. I feel like I just went through a dry cycle. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, thank you very much to Alex Dolby for joining us on this episode. Did you have a good time? I did. Thank you for having me. Where can people find you on the uh, the Twitter service if they wanted to? Um, you can find me at the Dialogue Tree, spelled D-I-A-L-O-G. I almost forgot how to spell my goddamn Twitter handle. Um, <laughs> you can also find me on uh, Itch under the same name to get my zines. Well, tell us a little more about the Dialogue Tree um, while we're here. Basically, it's just a zine that comes out whenever I have an idea. Um <laughs> The last right. one was about the long, dark, and mental health. Um, and I try to do just essays, and then my partner does, or my fiance, I keep forgetting to say that, uh, does the um, art for it. The next one is going to be about dating sims. Because I love Ooh. dating sims. Because I love trash. <laughs> what kind of dating sims? What, what titles? I am going to do uh, Dream Daddy. Uh, Perfect uh -huh. Date and Hunipop. Oh, I've not heard of Hunipop. Oh, it's it's garbage. It's terrible. It's really, really, <laughs> really, really bad. Okay. I remember playing one called Seduce Me. Did you ever play Seduce no, Me? No, but I'm going to look it up after the podcast and it might get it's... make it into there. It was made by two people who used to work on that series, Kill Zone. And... Um, <laughs> Kill zone. Yeah, kill zone. Seduce wait, wait, me. seduce me, Otome? The like, is that what you're talking about? Let me have a look. Seduce me. I, it might not have even. God, it might have disappeared off Google because it, it didn't really last. No, it wasn't that. No, it was. Oh my god, I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna struggle to find this now. Um, I'll send you it when I find it. But basically, it might have been called Seduce Me. It was something like that. Uh, and you, you seduced women by beating them at cards. Oh, okay. That's not the one I was thinking of, but that sounds really interesting, and I want to play it. Yeah. Yeah. You, you play them at some sort of some card game that's just in the game, some like bespoke kind of Tetramaster, triple triad style card game. And uh, if you win, then you get like a really explicit uh, hand drawn sex. Um, that's amazing. Yeah, it was something to behold. Something to behold. Um, it's a lot, it sounds a lot like Killzone. Exactly like Killzone, <laughs> yeah. Astrid, how about you? Are you on the internet anywhere? 
Yeah, I'm on Twitter at Hastapira. And, um, yeah, I mostly just write for bullet points now and also unwinnable. Oh, lovely. Where I do uh, an infrequent column on Giallo movies, and I'm doing some music stuff there now, so. Oh, really? Yes. Well, album reviews. Yeah. Uh, it's going to be, like, a they have their magazine every month. I'm just doing, like, a, a column about metal. Nice. Metal music, heavy metal. I Do you like heavy metal? Uh, I like all density. <laughs> <laughs> all density of metal. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, Reed, how about you? You're on on the line. I'm I'm on Twitter at POTUS. <laughs> <laughs> you get it? That's my joke. Nice. That's that's my hashtag resistance, baby. <laughs> yeah. Um. They should have just called. It, Wolfenstein 2 Drumpf. Yeah, I think that would have been. <laughs> I think that would have been cutting. Uh, I'm on Twitter at Reed McCarter, and yeah, that's where that's where my stuffs, my stuffs going. Mm. Uh, so you'll see that I I'm uh, nothing if not a ceaseless booster of my own work because uh, someone's got to be. <laughs> Am I right? You are right. You are right. I'm on Twitter at most sincerely Ed. Sporadically on Twitter, I tend to kind of close and open my Twitter as I. It's like a pop-up shop. whim. Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes there, sometimes not. I'm like that machine in Big, you know, sort of there one night, and then you come back the next morning, it's not there. Um, yeah, so that's everything from us. Thank you again, uh, Alex, for joining us, and thank you to all of you for listening. We'll be back next month to discuss Metro. I miss you, Caroline. Lend me your wings for our next podcast episode.